Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon. In this episode, we have Amelia Lin, the co-founder and CEO of Saga, a voice-based social app to stay close with family and friends. You can find more at trysaga.com. But Saga helps families save the life stories of their loved ones on audio. It's like getting a personal podcast of your grandma's childhood stories. Saga sends weekly prompts. They record and share. It's easy for anyone to use. They can dial a number from their phone to record, even without the app if you want as well. I'm super intrigued by this company. I was so excited to talk to Amelia. In this episode, we talk about a wide variety of topics from the early days of Saga and what that looks like as the, the manual version of the product and sending questions out and, and prompts out in the early days to how it's grown since and Amelia's fundraising experience, what she learned from that first round to the second time trying to raise funding and the differences she used within that, what's fueled the growth of Saga up until this point, the business model behind Saga, and so much more around the company and Amelia's background. As always, these show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show by leaving a rating and review in Apple Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hawk Media, a full-service outsourced CMO based in Santa Monica, California, providing guidance, planning, and execution to grow brands of all sizes, industries, and business models. Hawk Media is recognized by Inc. as one of the fastest-growing marketing consultancies, and their collaborative process, a la carte offering, and month-to-month fee structure give clients the flexibility they need to boost digital revenues and marketing ROI. Hawk Media, the company, has serviced over 1,500 brands of all sizes, ranging from startups like Tomorrow Melon, SIO Beauty, and Bottle Keeper, to household names like Red Bull, Verizon Wireless, and Alibaba. And also, I had the founder and CEO of Hawk Media, Eric Huberman, on the podcast in episode number 23, if you want to take a listen. And to get a free consultation, head on over to hawkmedia.com, and be sure to mention Just Go Grind. Without further ado... Here is Amelia Lin, co-founder and CEO of Saga. Amelia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yes, and always happy to chat with people in the audio space as well. They know so much, th- so many things about <laughs> it, and it's going to be great. And I'm looking forward to it. And I always like to start with kind of the, the context around what the company is doing. So, what are you doing with Saga, Amelia? Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm the founder of Saga, and we are a voice-based social app building a new kind of social network. Um, way it works is uh, we send questions to you and your family. Uh, there are things like, "Hey, what's the biggest trouble you got into when you were a kid?" or <laughs> um, "Who was your best friend growing up, and how did you meet them?" And then you all record your answers, and they get shared back out to everyone. It's basically like getting a private personal podcast from your family and friends. Um, so that is that is what we do. That's amazing. And I, I love the idea. And as I told you before, I have a re- recurring like calendar invite to interview my parents at some point, because I want to get those stories from their childhood. So when I saw this company, I was like, Oh, my God, I cannot wait to talk to you. <laughs> so cool. I just couldn't believe it's so cool. And how did this get started in the first place, Amelia? Yeah, that's a great question. I comes from a really personal place for me. I started Saga for my own mom and dad. Um, I had been trying for probably like 10 years at that point to find some way of making it really easy for them to record for me these incredible stories they used to tell me and my sister when we were growing up. 
about how they met and their childhoods in China and why they came to America and what that was like to be an immigrant in a new country and all of that. And every time I brought it up to them, they would say, oh, you know, that's that's so sweet. We're super flattered, Amelia. Um, maybe someday after we retire, because <laughs> writing a book about our lives sounds like a pretty big project. And so my goal was I really wanted to find a way to make it easy for them to do. That's um, one of the reasons I love voice was uh, just kind of the ease for them of, of capturing that for me. Yeah. Two, I, I wanted it to be something that felt fun for them and not like a big giant chore. And three, I wanted it to be something that we could do together as a family from anywhere because my parents, myself, and my sister all live in three different places. And right now during COVID, like we are definitely not seeing each other um, anytime <laughs> soon. So, yeah. uh, so that's become even more important um, now. But that's that's originally how we started. And what's been interesting is kind of what it's grown into today, which is a little bit different. But um, so basically, it's not just for recording um, memories of like a single person anymore. It's actually something that like families do together. So people kind of all be chipping in their answers. And we're expanding into categories of questions beyond uh, family history, too, um, for people to kind of build connections with each other and get to know each other. Um, so that's really exciting. Yeah. And I always love hearing about the the early days as well. So what was the initial version of Saga then? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the initial version of Saga was um, like literally V0, yes, which was me, <laughs> was me calling people. Um, <laughs> there was no code. There is no zero code written. Um yeah, I basically just like asked friends and family and coworkers. I told them that I wanted to do this and people would say, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I've been wanting to do that for my grandma. I've been wanting, you know, and people kind of bring this up. And and so I'd say, okay, well, I'm just going to try to figure out how to do this. And I would just schedule calls with people's like grandmas, seriously. And uh, <laughs> I'd get on the phone with them and I'd start asking them questions about their lives. Um, and I had a little like call recording app on my phone and I would save them and I would email the files back to the family. Uh, that was like the really early version, uh, of saga. That's amazing. And I love hearing that because a lot of times when companies are farther along, it's like, oh yeah, there's this amazing thing, but like, where did it get started? That's the most like kind of interesting thing and see how it evolves over time. From there then, you are interviewing like friends and families like grandmas and grandpas and other people there as, as like a way to get the content. How did that evolve from those early days to you getting enough validation to kind of move forward to the next step? Yeah, man, what a, what a crazy adventure that was. So a lot of it, um, you know, I just kept discovering things throughout the process, kind of just paying attention to how people were using the product and um, <laughs> can't, it's hard to even call it a product at that point. It was, it was so <laughs> manual, but just the way that people were, were like why they were using it, what they were getting out of it. And I just kept learning. So for example, um, originally I didn't actually, I, I didn't actually know that audio was going to be, you know, what we did. Um, my original thought had been, well, I'm going to make it easier for my parents to write this book. So why don't I record conversations with them and we'll transcribe them. And the yeah. transcriptions, like the transcribed book is actually going to be the product. And so I would um, transcribe things and I would send them back to families 
And people would say, this is super cool. But I was also wondering if you have the voice recording of the con- of my mom. And that was kind of one of the first early hints that, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like the voice recording is so compelling. It's so emotional. It's like really nice to have that too. <laughs> Um, and that ends up kind of being what we went into like wholesale. Um, we would do things like, I mean, I remember we tried, we tried video recordings too. We tried all sorts of different formats and the thing that I, the thing that I didn't love about video was that it made people super self-conscious. Mm, so yeah. people would get on video and be like, oh, I don't look nice. And you know, I'm like not looking at the camera and how's the lighting. And, but there was something about voice that was really hit that middle, ground of it, it hit the authenticity and kind of the humanness and um kind of just was really emotional um but at the same time it removed this whole level of of self-consciousness that I, that came with video um people would record you know just like sitting in their pjs like in their favorite <laughs> comfy chair right and instead of having to feel like i gotta be chained to a laptop and you gotta be sitting in front of that and i started getting like referrals from customers. Yeah. So people would say, you know, I did this, and this is really cool. I did this with my, my, um, my, my family on my, uh, on my mom's side, I want to do it on my dad's side now too, or I want this for my in-laws. And anyway, so at the very beginning, we had grown to um, basically a number of, of families, um, a, a fair number of who had actually kind of upgraded to, to paying us, which was cool. Um, and uh, we had still the the, the dinkiest of, of web apps at that point. <laughs> and um, to be, to be very honest, a lot of it was still manual um, at the point that we actually went out and fundraised. Uh, I was still literally manually sending out the question prompts in, in emails every wow. week. Like people, I know, I know people thought they were automated, but they really weren't. <laughs> They were really us, like oh, emailing. So yeah. Um, so, so yeah. That's, <laughs> There's a lot of questions I have off of that. Um, <laughs> one of the things is the early, early like business model behind this. You said people were paying you. How are you, how are you deciding like what even to charge for this type of thing? That is such a great. Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, early on when we charged, I actually was less concerned about coming up with the perfect pricing strategy. And more concern with just using willingness to pay as a signal that we were creating something that was valuable to the world. So I actually didn't care that much about like, um, like basically the bar that I wanted to hit was, will somebody even pay me a non-zero amount? Because it's actually really hard. It's really hard to create, honestly, like anything in the world Mm -hmm. um, that is valuable enough that people will, like people try anything for free. Or even that sometimes it's hard, right? But like, it's like well, I'm trying a new thing. But yeah. to create something where somebody's actually willing to give you even a dollar for it is is actually it's a lot harder, I think, than people think. Um, and so, uh, so early on, the my pricing strategy was I would let you do one recording for free, and just kind of experience what that was like to get the first recording back from somebody that you knew, and then if you wanted to continue, you had to pay. And I think we, I had like several pricing tiers, but they were, and it was like, you could pay me like $5 or like $20 or like a hundred dollars. Or I think we had maybe even something above that. I don't even know. And I didn't 
care that like I, I I really wanted to know like will people pay me like anything um and so that was that was the pricing strategy early on um was just like would you even pay me to to continue using this thing um and it was really exciting because we actually had people like um you know the the average amount that people paid by by the time that we were fundraising was was a hundred dollars so you know this wow. was not yeah so this was not like oh, you know, I'm thinking of this as like a, a 99 cent app that I download in the app store. Like people really, really like, you know, thought this was something, this was, this was something valuable. Um, yeah. yeah. There's some, I mean, there's something to be said for, like you said, like the first time you're getting paid, like actually getting money for what you're offering because <laughs> that's such value. It, it is so difficult. I, um, I, you know, getting my first sponsor for this podcast, even, uh, it was yeah. like, wait, they finally, the you know, money hit the bank accounts. Like, oh my goodness. Like, yes. It validated. Like people would pay to sponsor. Like that it's so, it, it gives you that boost as well early on where you're like, okay, yeah, this is like validation for what I'm working on. It helps you go on from there as well. And you talked about the fundraising side and, you know, getting people were paying like hundred dollars per before you started fundraising. Take me through the fundraising for Saga. How's that gone? Oh my goodness. Our, I tell people that going through fundraising is like the most insane thing I've ever gone through. That was like the most intense time ever in my life. <laughs> and I'm sure like someday I'll have like a kid and then maybe that will win. Um, yeah. But until then, this is this is this is the prize winner. Um, so I went about fundraising two times, I guess you could say. And the first time I didn't have a plan and it was predictably not very good. Um, <laughs> not that I really understood that at the time. Sure. And then the second time, uh, I really tried to do my homework and my research and to just plan a lot more about how we were going to do it and why we we're going to do it and how we we're going to go about it. And um, I just can't even say <laughs> it's like infinity times better. Um, so, uh, the first time that I, I guess the first time I quote unquote fundraised, um, I kind of just didn't really, I, I just thought, well, maybe people will just kind of come and chat with us if they're interested. And, um, I didn't really know how to go about it. I didn't know, like, I figured, well, I'm just gonna like, just see what kind of comes in the door. And, uh, it was just, it, it was honestly just like, it was, it was, it was a total waste of time as I wasn't being very strategic or thoughtful at all about how I wanted to go about it. Um, and then probably about, I don't know, it was probably like half a year later, um, I decided we're going to go, we're going to go fundraise. Like we're going to go, we're going to go try and do this thing. <laughs> and, um, we were very, very fortunate. Um, I think like usually from my friends, I've heard that like fundraising, you kind of want to prepare for take like six months. And so that was kind of what I was prepared for was like a really long slog. Um, yeah. But we actually went from beginning to closed in uh, nine weeks. So it Ooh. was, yeah, it was, um, <laughs> it was really, it was really, it was really fast and it was really, really intense. And that's all the way from the very first angel uh, check to, like money in the bank. Um, wow. Yeah. So that we were very, very lucky. I, I think we had a, 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 a unusually good um, experience uh, fundraising. 
Well, I mean, I definitely want to dig into that a little bit because for other entrepreneurs wondering, I mean, you mentioned the first one versus the second one was kind of not night and day. I mean, what were some of those things that you had done to prep for the second one off of understanding the first one did not go as well, let's just say? Yeah. So the second time, I, I mean, the biggest thing that was different was um, I wasn't just waiting or hoping that people would come to us. I was really... Uh, I was the one that was going out and 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 driving all of the introductions. So um, I made a big list. Uh, like it really actually took a lot of time. It was like I made a big list of people who I thought we should talk to. Like I, I did a lot of research looking at different funds, um, trying to figure out like which funds were probably the right ones for us to talk to, and then like targeting who at that fund we should try to to reach. Um, doing a lot of digging in my network for, for introductions. And I think this is where it came in handy that, um, I, I'd spent, I've spent my entire career basically working in Silicon Valley tech startups. And so, <laughs> um, so I was like, all right, friends, Hello. friends, I, <laughs> I, I need your help. Um, and, uh, just really, really, um, being very, very deliberate about that. I think the other thing that I did was, I felt really insecure about our pitch deck. Um, I remember like I would just, I, I put the, together a pitch deck. I just knew it was terrible. Um, it was just, it was, it was like a big wall of text. And um, one of my, I, I, I met another founder who had, who had raised and, um, and I remember looking at his deck and I was just like, oh my gosh, it's hopeless. Uh-oh. Like, you know, this looks so much better. And like, you know, clearly, Clearly, I just don't have like the skills or something to do this. Um, and then he said to me, he said, you know, this is version 60, right? Like it took me 12 iterations before we even got to anything that looked reasonable. And I realized, oh, it didn't just like start out this good. <laughs> um, so that was like a real, that was probably the number one most valuable thing that I, I did differently the second time around was I, I sent our pitch deck to um people over and over and over again, uh, for feedback, um, friends of mine, um, especially friends who are founders, um, and just kind of relentlessly, uh, iterated. Yeah. The iteration side of it. I mean, from anyone you talk to, that's what it's all about. It's never going to be the initial version that really gets you what you need in terms of funding because you get feedback from it constantly. And then you understand which parts are resonating and which things are important in terms of that pitch. And like, you know, going back to your point of just in the process itself of taking nine weeks and you're mentioning people had said me it might be six months from talking to a lot of entrepreneurs in this show. uh, There's been people who have been raising for like eight months before they got funding. And there's been people who have been as quick as a few weeks off of a very hot round. So it does take time, typically months and months to close, uh, close like completely beginning to end uh, of fundraising just for people to have some context around that uh, as well. And from that point then, so you did raise, what was your kind of use of funds next steps along the way from there then, Amelia? Uh, for us, it was it was really about hiring a team. So, I mean, that was really what most of the funds were were for was for headcount. Um, and I think in that respect, uh, you know, we're we're pretty lucky. Um, we uh, we're not building a physical product, um, which I think has actually helped us during COVID. Uh, I know that's been really really hard um, for some other startups during this time, but we are building an entirely digital product and. Um, we were able to keep, we don't have, we didn't have like crazy overhead costs or anything. And we weren't even running an office at the time. We were just, we were working out of, um, 
like a, a sort of a co-working space um, in the actually inside a, inside a church where I was friends with a pastor, and so yes, nice with those connections. <laughs> I know, yeah, we'd become really good friends, and so he, he sort of let us work out of there, which was really cool. Um, and uh, so, so for us, um, the use of funds really to build up the team. Um, and I, I should, I, I have to, I have to throw it in cause I, 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 it's, it's, it's my duty, but I do have to put in a plug that, uh, we are, we are growing the team. Um, and so we are, we are one of the startups, I think, um, in the, in the fortunate position of, of actually, um, being able to, to hire during this time and wanting to hire. So actually, <laughs> any listeners I'll, are looking. No, I definitely, uh, appreciate and encourage plugs for sure on the show. And to that point then, because you're doing it right now. What are you looking for? How do you look at bringing people on board for your team? Because I mean, oh, there's a, a lot question. of startups that are kind of thinking about it. And so how are you looking through through that, Amelia? Yeah, cool. Yeah. So we're hiring for product and engineering at the moment. And a couple of things that I think are are really important to us are, one, people who really resonate with the mission. So like, um, we're definitely a mission-driven team. It's It's not, it's probably not, it's definitely not coincidence that every single person on our team is uh, really close with like friends and, and family. Um, you know, we sort of understand that the future, like what we're building is a, is a different kind of social experience. Um, it's not about blasting out to the world on Twitter or, or Facebook. Um, it's really, it's really much more intimate. Um, saga is a thing that people use with, uh, yeah, with, with people who are, they're really close with like family or, or even close friends. Um, and the kinds of stuff that people share and record, it, it's not stuff that people would go and, you know, just, just post on their Facebook wall. Um, so, you know, I think people who, and that's definitely something we're looking for is people who are like super excited about the mission. And, um, yeah, I think the second big thing that we're looking for is somebody who's excited to join an early team. Cause like, yeah. you know, if you want to be, like if if you've always thought that you know maybe you want to start something of your own or you want to be in like you know the first first ten employees like of a of a of a growing startup like um, that's that's kind of that's kind of the person that we're we're looking for we we all get to get our hands into everything and and we get to learn about every part um, of the business. Yeah. Yeah, and seeing uh, talking to a number of investors too recently about this as well. Like the thing that separates a lot of these startups in terms of how you compete for talent is that mission. If you have that mission, like you're going to attract a different person that understands that. Yes, you're getting the you know the equity and other things and that experience as well, but also the mission behind a company can really provide a lot of pull for bringing in some yeah. top people. You know, especially when you're kind of competing with the fangs of the world out there for talent. It's like that's <laughs> that's something that's very helpful along the way and. And what I'm wondering too is, I know you initially were family and friends reaching out in terms of the kind of really grassroots to grow it. How has the growth gone the last you know two years or so in terms of how you look at acquiring new new users? It's so interesting. So if you actually look at like how people hear about us, um, the majority of the time it's really people hearing about it from other people. Um, so like, you know, I heard about from my cousin, I heard about from my friend, like, um, so, so, you know, word of mouth and, and is really, really powerful for us. Um, and people using the app together. So somebody usually will happen is someone starts a group and then they invite their family to it. Um, and so, you know, so, so really the rest of the family is hearing about us from this, from, it'd be like, you know, how, how you wanted to do this with like your your mom, um, yeah. right? Like she'd be getting the invite from from you, and and you're the person who she's she's hearing about it from, and you're the person who's like 
please do this with me. Um, <laughs> so that's really, I mean, for us, that's really kind of the holy grail is I really want us to become a product where um, people people find out about us because of other people using us. Um, like that's, that's really kind of, um, I think what we want because uh, I think that's how we're going to get to, um, you know, like every, every family, you know, in the world being able to like knowing that this even exists. Yeah. The network effect potential from that as well. I mean, as it spreads faster and faster through that and it, it right. starts with the project itself being obviously just really interesting and easy to use and uh, compelling, which is what I definitely find it. So on that note of like the product, how are you looking through the evolution of the product itself and getting feedback from users and iterating on that? Like, I want to hear all, all things product, Amelia. Oh, <laughs> it's so, uh, yeah, no, this stuff is like so interesting for me. Um, so, um, yeah, like some of the things that I think are, what do we do? Um, well, we definitely like, one of my favorite things to do is to just talk to our current users all the time. Like, I, every, every major change and improvement that we've ever made in the product, like really has just come from our users all the way from that very early, like, oh, you know, it'd be really cool if we could get the voice recordings, you know, um, up to yeah. what we, what we saw was that people were starting to use Saga as like a group, like a group activity. We had thought, okay, the way people were going to use Saga is as a tool to capture like one person's life story that was kind of like an earlier um vision that we had and we started seeing people say like yeah i signed signed up um with this for my mom but now we're actually using it to like ask each other questions um and to like send each other recordings and my family is like spread across three continents and we're like using it to stay in touch. And I go to sleep at night and I wake up in the morning and I have these new voice recordings, like a, like new podcast episodes from my sisters who live yeah. across the ocean. And I listen to them before I go to work, um, just like a podcast. Um, even the fact that you're probably going to think this is like hilarious, but we didn't actually realize how, uh, how analogous, um, we were to podcasts early on. Like I, you know, we were just like, yeah, you, we, you know, you can like save stuff on audio and like, you know, it's from other people. And you that. Yeah. <laughs> literally the way that we learned it was we asked our users, Hey, how do you, how do you describe saga to your friends? And, so people would say, like, I call it, I, I describe it as like a podcast. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so obvious in <laughs> retrospect. Like didn't even occur to us. Um, as for the future of where we're going, um, I'm really, really excited for us to be releasing. Uh, we're going to be releasing new question packs. Um, so you're really going to see. Yeah. So I think you know, people have just shown us so many different ways that they've used Saga um, that we weren't expecting, like people using it to collect birthday messages for someone yeah. or um, people using it. Oh, yeah. I remember this one family. They were using it as like an activity with their kids, like to create um, it was so they would like create like their own little family podcast to send to the grandparents with the kids. Um uh, and 
people using it to like ask each other like funny questions and and bring <laughs> teasers and you know, would you rather would you rather like you know uh, oh would you rather yeah just uh-huh. a whole slew of things there <laughs> right yeah I had somebody gave me this really cool idea the other day they were like oh what if like we could use it to pass on um like like autocomplete each other's sentences. It's like, let's create a story together. I'm going to do the first recording. I'm going to send it to you. You listen to my recording and you like finish my sentence. Hmm. And then you like (laughs) somebody else. I was like, it's just, um, so I'm really, really excited, uh, for, for kind of what's, what's coming next. Um, I'm also excited for you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. One thing I should put out there is, again, we're coming up to Thanksgiving. We're going to be releasing a special edition uh, Thanksgiving question pack that's going to be free. So, um, yeah, for any readers out there where your family is kind of spread far and wide, or not readers, listeners out there, where your family is spread far and wide this year, um, like my own, uh, it's going to be the first year in a really long time, actually, that I haven't seen my family for the holidays. Um, yeah. If you're looking for a great activity to to do together, come come check out our, our Thanksgiving question pack um, to learn about each other. Take me through the, the question packs. Uh, I know there's a variety of them. I'm assuming. What are some of those? What are the process for developing these questions? And you said just just asking users and seeing what they think. Like, take me through that a little bit more. Yeah, totally. Um, so the very first, yeah, in the very beginning, it was like literally just me kind of trying from all these questions. So, so a lot of those were were have been not thrown out because they were they were not that great, which is good, which is good. Um, the ones that I the ones that I wrote in the very early days, we, we've been trying to raise our, uh, we, we've been able to cope with better ones since then. But um, so right, the question packs. Um, uh, started out kind of being about periods of life, actually. So we have a whole um, series that's about questions of childhood and growing up, for example. So there are things like, um, uh, you know, did you have any nicknames when you were growing up? Like, how'd you get them? Um, you know, uh, or like, what was uh, what was your favorite subject in school and like, why? Um there's also category so there's there's categories like that. There's ones that are about like um, career. So how did you get into like the line of work that you're in? Um, all the way up to like advice, lessons learned. You know what do you what do you what what's like one of the best pieces of advice that you've you've ever gotten and who gave it? Why? Um, what's your life motto? Like if you have like a life motto, you know what is it? Where did that come from? Um, and uh, where we are kind of moving to is, uh, I think you know we're we've been we're adding on basically more more question packs that that branch out beyond that. And as for your question of where do those come from, like where do we get our ideas? Um, honestly, it is it is from our users. Um, my my dream is that I actually want to add in like a feature within the app that lets people like directly like submit ideas to us to be featured um that would be yeah because it's kind of it's really kind of cool seeing what people come up with in their own family channels like in in their own like groups um like what kinds of prompts like they'll come up with i'm like oh that's such a good one like i gotta use that one 
Yeah, and the thing like my comes to mind for me at least, there's so many like inside jokes or things that you want to ask more about that you're like, how did this become a thing? Even I think of so many inside jokes of like my friends or family members of like different things that if I bring it up, they're instantly gonna laugh hysterically. Yes. But it's like how did some of those things start? Or like even there's there's more backstory to some of those things too, where it's like, oh, I wanna be able to create those questions potentially to like hear that from my my dad or my friend or my cousin or you know, that sort of thing as well. That's right. That's right. So um so yeah, we do kind of have this, like we, we, we have sort of these, these packs that we've already kind of put together, but, um, they're really, they're, they're great inspiration, but people totally take them and like customize them, which you can do within the app. You can, you can write your own. Um, and that's been, that's been really cool. Cause you, it's, it's exactly what you say. You'll see people be like, Ooh, Ooh, remember that time that we all went to you know, that camp? <laughs> Yeah. Right. And it's like, I can see that that's like, you know, and like no one else is going to understand that prompt, but right. that group does. Yeah. Yeah. To them, it's very relevant. And that's, that's right. That's they definitely encourage more, more sharing around that in terms of thoughts and everything. And um, one thing I'm wondering too, I know you mentioned kind of the early days of business model. How's the business model evolved for, to today? Like, what is it today then? Right. So um, we basically decided that we wanted to be able to have a version of Saga that was always free. So that's different from where we started at the beginning. You know, I was kind of, I was kind of almost using the willingness to pay as like a little bit of a test, a test point, right? It was like, oh, you get yeah. to try it like for free for a little bit, but now if you want to continue, like you got to pay. Um, but yeah, we actually, we have, we have two tiers. So there's a free tier and a paid tier. Um, the free tier uh, is already launched and um, you can find us in, in the app store and iOS. Um, and uh, the paid tier will basically, uh, main difference between the two is there's going to be a couple of like advanced features. Um, the paid tier, like advanced things that people have been asking for. Um, and, uh, and basically it'll kind of unlock um, like, like more storage. So the free tier, you kind of get like a, a limited amount of storage. Um, you can always download your recordings off of the app, so you're you're not locked in. But if you want to have sort of this like kind of this this you want to grow your archive, yeah, um, sort of similar to like Google Photos or, or Dropbox, um, uh, you'll be able to unlock that with the with the paid tier. That's awesome. It seems like a kind of a, a logical way to do it when you look back at it. At least it's like, oh yeah, the users are, who are going to really use this a lot more uh, will be will definitely willing to pay for that. It would seem like I'm already kind of thinking through. It's like, how much would they pay for? Or like, you know, like how much storage would they really need? I'm sure you're thinking through that uh, as well in terms of deciding like the pricing model be, behind that. But with, yeah, I know you mentioned the, the change from the, the fundraising side from, you know, the first time to the second time. And now you've been running this company a couple of years. Take me through today. What are some of the the challenges, biggest challenges of, of running this company at this point? Yeah. One of the things that I feel like I, we're always thinking about is the social interactions in in the app because um, I think that's something where we can just always continue to improve. Like we know that the magic for us is not just the recordings. We're not just like an archival tool. And I think that actually sets us apart from, like I had looked at a lot of other products in, in this space in the past and um like why people like things that people had done and, and why they didn't work and why they why they failed, and I think a lot of it really felt a little. It it was like you were gonna 
you were going to record these memories and then they would kind of just get sent off into the ether or go live in a vault somewhere. And for us, we know that the magic is actually the social connection that is sparked wow. between people around um, around the recordings. And so that's something that I think about all the time um, is how we get better and better and better in the app at making that just absolutely effortless. Um, how we make it easier and easier um, for people to, to experience that magic moment. And it not just being like, I made a recording, but like, I got to hear something. I got to hear, I got to hear my best friend's voice for like the first time in forever. And like, you know, it just brought back all of these great feelings and memories. And like, I got to, I, I got to like tell him what I think about this now. Um, <laughs> So that's one of the bigger things that um, I look at. And then the other one, I guess for me is always the case is like how we just let people know that this thing exists. Cause you know, it's not like we're, um, I don't know. It's not like people are, we're doing something that's really new and different. And so we can't just rely on people searching for it. Yeah. Um, and so like word of mouth is, is definitely like great and super, super helpful. But honestly, like, podcasts like like you and, and a lot of podcasters actually have been so supportive of us and kind of helping us to get the word out because um, we really hope that this is something that everyone um, can use um, yeah yeah and it seems like with covid the pandemic situation I would imagine it to be amplified because people wanting to have that connection in some capacity to people who they're not seeing all the time and that I mean, for me, I'm thinking about right now. It's like, yeah, that, uh, a number of friends and family I can think of right away who I would That's want right. to kind of use it for. And when you say that the, the, these challenges of one making it a social, you know, a social app that people are really engaging with and everything, and then, and also with spreading the word around it, what are some of those questions internally with your team you're asking, or some of those conversations you're having? What does that kind of look like in terms of figuring out those two different things? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so on the, on the first axis, um, of like kind of the social piece, we're always kind of looking at like these key, um, just like, Hey, what are people coming back and recording again? Or like our, you know, our groups coming back and recording. And so why, or why not, what bring, what triggers somebody to like come back? And, um, uh, you know, if somebody like, uh, like what do we need? What do we need to do to make that like really, really easy? Uh, what, what kind? Why, why do people enjoy listening to the recordings? Like, what are they getting out of it? And just kind of understanding like better and better and better um, how to make that, how to make it easier for that kind of magical experience um, to happen with as little work as possible um, yeah. from from a user. Um, we pay a lot of attention just like how people are using it, especially in in unusual ways. Um, so like, it was definitely kind of a revelation to us when we saw, um, kind of like, you know, groups of even college friends sort of using this as a way to stay in touch. That was, it was just, um, it was, it was just beyond what we had originally imagined. Um, so we do quite a bit of that where we kind of just like look at how users are using the app and say, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of interesting. Like they're sort of using it a little bit different way. Like, I wonder if we could reach out to them and, and if they would chat with us. Um, the second one um, for us on like getting the word out um, question that I always ask is like, how did you hear about us? 
Um, so like when you sign up for the app, there's like a little field that's, it's optional, but it says like, how did you hear about us? But a lot of people will fill it out. And for me, that's kind of my source of truth that I look at all the time is like, what are the ways that people hear about us, um, that we aren't even expecting? That's actually how we found out pretty early on about that. We should probably, um, try to reach out to podcast listeners because <laughs> now I'm serious. Um, we were yeah. on a podcast like pretty early on. It was like a, it was a, and, and like the next day we saw like a spike in, in signups and we realized, Oh wow. Um, like that, that's really something. Uh, so, so those are kinds of the questions that I, I'm always asking myself. It's like, Hey, like how do we learn better and better? Um, you know, uh, where people are, are actually finding out about us. Yeah, I think to, just to highlight that point, I, I love that point because I think it's so important to understand for any company, really. It's like, how are people actually hearing about you? Because in those different channels, there's potential for partnerships, there's potential for leverage right. in terms of you know free traffic, potentially. It's just your time. Obviously, time is worth money. But at the same time, especially as a startup early on, we don't if you don't have a multi-million dollar budget for advertising, like there's so many things where there are opportunities to get like disproportional leverage um, for your time. And something like a podcast, for instance, where it's going to live for years and years and years and people are still going to hear and, and download it. I've looked at that for my, for my podcast of like people listening to the early oh, episodes. Wow. I'm like, where I'm like, they're still listening to the early episodes today. This is two plus years later. And those, I have literally every, every episode, all 211 or so at this point, wow. get downloads every month. And that's kind of insane to me uh, that people still kind of listen in. And so a medium like that, like if you can go on podcast, then it's not just that you have this spike immediately. If your company, assuming it does well and stays around, like you'll continually get that traffic for a long time. And there's other channels like that where you look at like SEO, where you can rank or get in, you know, included in some blogs where if they're getting traffic consistently for a while, you just get that traffic for free for Oh, and as long as they rank. And so like those types of things as a startup, hard to focus on them all the time because it's not like immediate sometimes, but um, can be really beneficial for building a real brand, especially in the long term as, as well. Yeah. And, and to all of that, like I, I want to know, like just taking a little bit of a step back, did you think that you'd be an entrepreneur at this point in your life? Oh my gosh. Um, that's such a, it's a good question. I didn't. I honestly didn't. Um, it's funny because I, I do feel like there are, I, I think there's plenty of people who really kind of set out with the goal of, of, of founding a, their own, their own company. And, um, if I'm totally honest, I, I don't know that that was ever like a, like a super, like a super explicit goal of mine. Um, I love building things and I love startups. So like, I mean, there's a reason why, basically spent my entire career working in different startups of different shapes and sizes. Like I've just never gotten tired of it, but it, it didn't actually, to me, it's not mattered that much. Like whether it was me, whether it was my idea or somebody else's idea, I just care about working on ideas that I care about. Yeah. And I think the difference with Saga was that it was kind of one of the first times when I just looked out there at what existed. And I, I just really didn't think it was there. And I thought, well, like, I really think that, you know, we could build something that was, that was just as good or maybe better. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. No, I think if you, if I went back and told my past self, like what I'm doing now, uh, 
I think my past self would be pretty surprised, but would probably think it was pretty cool. Yeah. And working on, like you said, like the same things in many ways of like working at a, a startup, it happens to be now yours. <laughs> and it's a little different scenario it's, that way. Yeah, it is a little different. Things. It is a little different, but I, 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 get, I feel really, really lucky um, to get to do what I do every day. I think it's, it just feels like a, a really cool opportunity, you know, that's been, that's been given to us. Yeah. And with that, what's been the most helpful from a, I always have to ask about books because I'm a big reader, mm-hmm. but any, any particular books that have been most helpful for you along the way? Yeah. Um, I have one that I'll share, which is kind of a foundational one for me. I feel like if, if it hasn't already been brought up, you're, you're going to love it. Um, <laughs> has anybody ever told you, has anybody ever suggested founders at work? Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. You got You're going to love it. So Founders at Work, um, I got my first I got my first copy of it when I was in college. And I got to say it was one of the first it was one of the first things that really got me into into startups, because all it is, is a series of interviews Mm -hmm. with founders that should have been transcribed (laughs) into a book. But it's it's so raw and real and unedited. And it's um. It's just fantastic. It was so different from all of the presentations that I'd seen of startups, like in articles and media, where you know it just kind of sounds like this magical journey that like, all worked <laughs> out perfectly. Yeah. And it was these interviews that um, it was from the, by Jessica Livingston, one of the um, co-founders of uh, Y Combinator, and she yep. basically just went and found um, founders from from companies that have been successful, and she said, "Well, tell me how it really was." And, um, yeah, I think just kind of seeing, getting that peek into the messiness of it all. And the fact that like the people who do this are really human, you know, they're not like, they're not gods, they're not perfect. Like there were things that went wrong. Um, and, uh, how they navigated through all of that, I think was just like super inspiring to me. And it's, it's enormously entertaining. Um, definitely go check it out. I so it's never been suggested in the show, so I agreed on that. But I actually have it. I haven't. Oh, it's I haven't read it yet though. So now this is going to push me to do it. Okay. I'll give you that. To be honest, um, I I always people don't know I stand during podcasts. I have a stand up desk, but I also then have books under my computer and my mic. And one of the books under my computer is Founders at Work. <laughs> now there is a Tim <laughs> Ferriss book, and the others are if people want to know, it's the angel investing book from uh, Jason Calcanis, and then also Founders Dilemmas and a book on Edison. Those are the five books that are <laughs> underneath my computer and mic. But yeah, Founders at Work is one of those. So it's kind of hilarious you brought that up. <laughs> so I'm going to dig into that now soon because uh, it is. I see the stories and I would, I would glance at it, but I've never. Uh, like read cover to cover or really read too many stories because there's always so much to read out there, but I love hearing it. But now oh, you're pushing me to do it. Just read one of them. Yeah, that, that's I'll, the nice thing about the book is you can you don't have to read the whole thing because it's not like that's true. a continuous plot. You can just yeah. read one. And it's like it's like listening to, it's like the book equivalent of listening to how I built this. It's mm, kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Well, great suggestion and glad you brought that up, Amelia. Uh, one of the last things I'm curious about uh, always with with founders and this craziness that is startups, how do you recharge away from work, Amelia? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, I think this has become probably, this is something I'm working on, especially in COVID because I feel <laughs> like the, dis- the disappearance of boundaries between my workspace and my personal space, it's yeah. like something I've had to become even more intentional about. Um, for me, I, I mean, honestly, I, one of the biggest things that I do, and this is going to sound so mundane is I really just like getting on calls with like 
friends and family. Um, it's like something that I build into my day and my routine. Um, it, there's something for me that's super recharging about it. I just love like catching up with people who are close to me. Um, and, uh, like my friends and I have this thing where, um, we kind of have this like unspoken pact that we can call each other out of the blue we don't need to, we don't need to like do any scheduling. I'll just be like, Hey, I'm just gonna like randomly call you when I'm free. And um, <laughs> I don't even know if you're there and no pressure to pick up, but if you are like, let's, let's like, let's chat. Um, so I've been doing that. Um, I have also been, um, building in more of a workout routine into my days, which I think has helped like give some structure. Yeah. So, uh, so my partner, uh, and I, like he and I have been, um, doing weightlifting, which yes. is great because I, <laughs> I am such a wimp. I'm such a wimp. I have no <laughs> muscles. I'm no muscle calls me noodle arms. Um, so that's been good. I feel good about yeah. that. I'm like, I'm doing something good for myself right now. Well, I'll give you a heads up. I have an exercise sports science degree from undergrad. And really? I was a personal trainer before. So oh, if you ever need man. some tips, <laughs> hit me up. I got you. No worries. <laughs> There's definitely something to the, the working out component, like whatever it may be. Like, people, there's so many different things you can do and so many things that are high tech, low tech, et cetera, but having something of a routine, whatever it may be, is definitely important. I know it's helped me from, I somehow got into running. I don't know how, but I got into running, uh, and then doing like body weight stuff. And then just like clears your mind when you do that and just finding something is really helpful. I think. And like to highlight that point as well for entrepreneurs out there who are so busy yes. and ingrained in their company, they don't they need to take time away, <laughs> which can help you. And where can people go to learn more about Saga and also connect with you as well, Amelia? Oh, yeah. Um, so you can check us out online at trysaga.com. So T-R-Y-S-A-G-A.com. Um, and yeah, uh, you can also, uh, you can reach me. Um, I, uh, if you, uh, you're, you're, I don't, I don't always give up my email on, on podcasts, but, but <laughs> I will, I will, far. I know I will. I exactly. If you listen this far, um, you can reach me directly at Amelia, A-M-E-L-I-A at trisaga.com. I'd, I'd love to hear what you think of it. Um, again, we're, we're always looking for, for feedback and suggestions and improvements. So it means a ton to me. Also to highlight, you're also hiring right now, which That's is right. This is for context then, end of October 2020, because this will be released a little bit later and people listen to the podcast, like I said, years later. So you're probably still hiring two years from now. So That's right. You're just a different hiring. So That's they're hiring right. always, people, just to know that. But Amelia, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.